It's the beginning of the month and the Leadership Brothers are back to expose another intolerable boss and explore how you can survive. Welcome to Inspiring Leaders, the podcast that shares ideas, perspectives, and best practices from great leaders around the world to help you become a more inspired leader. Do you have a coworker who gets special treatment while everyone else, including you, gets pushed aside? Are you the one who's continually praised by your boss to an embarrassing degree? Are you the boss's go-to person for all the great projects and favors to the point that your colleagues are noticing? Well, today we're exposing favoritism, the bosses who wield it, and we're going to explore how you can survive it all and thrive. Before we get into this prickly topic, I want to extend a huge welcome to my partner in crime, co-host and brother, Pat Lepofsky. Pat, welcome back to Intolerable Bosses. Yeah, Ter, thanks for having me back. And I got to tell you, you're my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Pat, I got to ask how your summer's going. Are you busy or are you taking some time off? What's going on? Well, you know, strategic planning season hasn't really stopped yet. So our kids are winding down from school and our We'll be on summer holidays by the end of this week, and I think we're going to be taking a little break to take some time with them, too. Yeah, it's important to keep that balance, isn't it? Absolutely. I have to say that's probably one of the most important things to any leader. Yeah. Hey, I also want to extend a big, huge thank you to our show sponsor, the great folks over at the Otis Group, who have been big supporters of the Intolerable Bosses series ever since we launched it back in January. For all our listeners, please support those who support us head on over to otusgroup.com for all of your financial management, risk management, and virtual CFO needs. Richard, Francis, Lynn, Zoe, and the entire team will treat you like gold and get your organization back into ship shape. So back to our topic for this month's show. As I've said, it's no secret that the playing field among workers isn't level in a lot of workplaces. And I'm going to bet that pretty much all of us have been on the ugly end of favoritism at some points in our career. Well, if this is true, you're in the right place right now, because today we're exposing the evil axis of favoritism. And we're going to help you figure out how to use the force to survive such evil tyranny. So here are some interesting facts about favoritism. It turns out that it's really a widespread practice and it can have significant negative impact in the workplace, whether you're a victim or the favorite, either polar opposite end. There's some pretty tricky things to do with both ends of that spectrum. We were doing a little bit of research before the show and came across a favoritism study that was done through Georgetown University School of Business. What they found is that 92% of senior business executives believe that favoritism is a contributing factor, contributing factor in most employee promotions. Even within their own companies, the executives that they surveyed thought that this was the case for 84% of the promotions that came up within their organizations. Like, that's huge. And unfortunately, when the researchers turned the mirror back on the respondents, they found a much smaller trend of executives admitting that they actually do this. In fact, only about 25% of the polled executives admitted to practicing favoritism themselves. So this tells us two things. Really, first, that there's an unmistakable problem out there. And the second is that most of the time, people won't admit that they're part of the problem. 
Yeah. Yeah. This sounds pretty similar to the old teacher's pet syndrome from grade school. A small group of employees get close to the boss, either by choice or being voluntold for their role. And pretty soon they're going out for coffee and out for lunch, and they're getting more of the boss's ear. This small subset of the team are chosen to handle the better, more senior, higher visibility projects. Obviously, this makes others, maybe even more qualified, feel as if the boss is not playing fair. I think the favoritism can be fairly benign in a lot of cases, but it can be a lot more serious in other circumstances, developing into a hostile, toxic environment for those who are left out in the cold. So, Pat, I know that you've done a lot of work on this in the past. What causes favoritism in the first place? Thanks for asking, Terry. Surprisingly, favoritism actually has fairly honest roots. You look at most leaders. Most of us can remember back to our childhood and admit that each one of us started with a favorite toy, and from there it starts to build. We all had a favorite teacher, a favorite subject, a favorite BMX bike, a favorite car, a favorite person. Sounds rad, doesn't it? We we eventually dated and married our favorite significant other. The way we were raised and the way kids are brought up, and this isn't specific to any generation, even when we're taught within society, society reinforces that we should all have preferences. When a boss assigns an important high-profile project to one person, hopefully that selection is based on selecting the person who is best suited for the job. In fact, this can be an effective motivational tactic in encouraging employees to work hard and compete for lucrative high visibility assignments. But when the boss gives a friend within the office or even somebody with the best view based on no observational criteria, no observable criteria, this has become a noticeable trend, playing favorites. Now they've crossed the line into the realm of favoritism, haven't they? Yeah, absolutely. So there's two things that are at play when favoritism becomes a problem. First, favor is presented without transparency. In other words, some people benefit based on subjective preferences, while others suffer despite objective rationale. And this is often perceived as an abuse of power by the boss. It leaves many employees feeling like they have no means to control their lot in life. They're going to be confined to the lousy assignments no matter what they do. I remember early in my career, I was working on a team just like this. And I can tell you firsthand that not being one of the chosen ones made it challenging to come into work every day, knowing that the playing field was intentionally tilted. And in fact, it felt quite lousy for me and several of my coworkers. And that leads me to something else. Beyond a lack of objective transparency, There's something else at play here. By not treating everyone equally, a manager is fostering a sense of resentment and separation that can be demotivating to employees and damage team unity. I know that this happened on the team that I was mentioning just a second ago, and I know it happens to others. By focusing attention on particular employees, it's easy to overlook growth opportunities and unique skill sets offered by other people. And by not giving other team members an opportunity to shine, the boss isn't allowing the team or company to grow, which can cost the organization more money in the long run. There's a very real risk that the organization will lose good people, particularly those that feel that their talents are going unnoticed. 
You know, Terry, as we've mentioned already, favoritism can be a pretty harmful place. And we noted that while the haves are continually celebrating, this usually leaves the have-nots feeling disenfranchised, powerless, and really disrespected. But there are two other painful perspectives that have direct causation that can really be tracked back to favoritism. Big loser is often the organization itself. If favoritism is as bad as the Georgetown University study found, then there are a lot of employees who are really feeling bad enough to leave. I don't know about you, but if I was the CEO of an organization that was losing really good people who felt ignored and passed over, I'd make it a top priority to correct the favoritism through leadership coaching or removing the problematic managers altogether. So the have-not employees are suffering, and the organization can suffer through attrition. Who else is really suffering? But believe it or not, the have employees, the people who have, can suffer as well. Probably asking, are they not uh, the golden children receiving all the benefits and the, the sugar and the positive love here, the lucrative assignments and the favors? Yes, it's true, but there are two dangerous fates that could befall these golden children. A, when you no longer have to, work, to really work hard, you get soft. And B, these haves often get promoted to the level of their incompetence. And in other words, uh, they're softly and unintentionally coaxed down the gangplank of their own careers. Yeah, that's very true. And I've seen this too. I've seen people that they just keep getting handed everything good. They get promoted pretty soon. They're in way over their heads. This is great background for us to properly understand just what's happening and how harmful it can be to people and to the organizations they work in. So the next question is, what can people do if they find that they're working for a boss that has favorites? Well, number one, determine if it really is favoritism. It's important for people to distinguish favoritism from other performance recognition. So first things first, determine if favoritism is favoritism. Here's a really good example. I've seen a few companies that I've worked with before where let's say an account rep was getting extra sales leads as an example from other salespeople, other account reps in the company who weren't really getting those extra leads and they were perceived as favorites. However, it turned out that the account reps who got the extra opportunity, the extra leads were really working extra hours. They were going above and beyond customer service expectations and they really earned the confidence of their clients and ultimately earned those chances for additional opportunity in business. You know, so that's really more on the performance recognition side. After their boss, uh, the leader, I should say, their sales director explained and demonstrated to the entire team, the other disgruntled sales reps were then able to rationalize the decisions, follow their colleagues' lead, and put in the extra effort uh, really to earn the same opportunities. Really what it comes down to, they understood why. If you feel the smallest spark of jealousy in any situation, take some time to examine your perceptions and make sure that you've really looked at the facts and you've really examined it if it is favoritism versus performance recognition. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great suggestion, Pat. Now let's talk about when to speak up. So if you took that proverbial step back that Pat just talked about, and you had a real good look at the situation, and you've confirmed without a shadow of a doubt that there is discrimination or favoritism happening, well, maybe it is time to say something about it. So here's step two or tip number two. But before you do that, know that it's likely to be a tough conversation. So be prepared by checking your own intentions first. In other words, 
don't just jump in there and meet with your boss and let him know how lousy he's making you feel and that you want to give him some good tips and pointers on how he should do his job because that's not going to end well. Instead, assemble some good, meaty, fact-based observations like what happened when and to whom and all that good stuff. Take note of the impact and here's the really important part, what the potential benefits might be if a more fair and balanced approach had been taken. Be courageous and ask for more open consideration or transparent rationale when benefits are awarded to other people. But be careful not to sound like you're complaining or attacking. Be prepared to back your request with what's in it for them so they can see that this is in their best interest. There's an actual chance that this conversation with your boss won't go as well as you might hope. And to be frank, if your boss is playing favorites, they probably know exactly what they're doing and you're probably not on their Christmas list anyway. So why would you do this? Because you need to do this before you move on to the second part of this recommendation, which is going to your HR rep, your human resources rep. If you've done all of your homework, checked your intentions, run it all by your boss, and there's a high likelihood that they've met your concerns with excuses and justifications, well, now it's time for HR. Use their feedback to present a strong case to the human resources rep. In most organizations, your HR reps are there to help you in circumstances exactly like this. Yeah, absolutely, Terry. Nobody wants to touch a hot stove. And when you're able to position things like an opportunity for the leader involved or for the situation involved, that's the approach that usually gets most progress. Here's another option. Just say no. Here's something. When you learn to say no, it's, it's okay. It's true this can be a lot easier said than done, but most employees truly do have the people-pleasing syndrome that comes from the way most of us were brought up. Thinking that they need to accommodate every request that lands on their desks and be a yes man like Jim Carrey in the movie. But when you're on the wrong end of favoritism and the game, desk can quickly become the dumping ground for a lot of ugly assignments. And before you know it, you don't even see your way through the paper on your desk. So the next time your boss tries to dump something a little too much on you, try replying with something like this. I could definitely take this on. However, it will mean that I have to bump the other files that I already have maybe as many as 25 files. Which of these files would prefer that I give up? And really, you know, it's, this becomes risk mitigation. Which of these other files would you prefer that I give up to focus on the one you've got me on now? You're just helping that leader make decisions, aren't you? Might someone else be in a better position to take this on? Could be another question. And there are many ways of saying no effectively, but just make sure you're being tactful, polite, and you're mitigating the risk for the company with your company hat on. Yeah, that could be tough for sure. And there's a little bit of art, I think, that needs to go into this. But what a great suggestion, Pat. Let me build on that just for a second by adding that it's really important to stay focused on being professional while managing your reputation. So this will be our fourth tip is manage your reputation and stay professional. Being cast to the lower rungs can become really frustrating. So you have to keep your eye on the prize. Don't buckle under the pressure. In fact, don't even look at it as pressure. View it as training for something bigger in your life. It's like training to become a great hockey player by playing road hockey with a Stanley Cup champion goalie. Think of it as your laboratory every single day 
that this is a test for you to rise up and be resilient. It's like Michelle Obama said, when they go low, we go high. I remember when she said that, Michelle Obama, what a great quote. Always take the high road. If you're developing yourself, you're developing your skills for the future. Our fifth tip is to maintain trust. It's it's interesting, but one of the first casualties of favoritism typically is trust. It's important that you maintain trust and that it's innocent until proven guilty. If you're handed off tough assignments, do them to the best of your ability. Knock it out of the park. And if you're on the have side of favoritism, make sure that you never offer a reason for others to doubt and really to doubt your ability, your sincerity, and your trustworthiness. Oh, yeah, that's a huge one. That is absolutely huge. So when the boss is dumping all the stale files on your desk and you see all the true opportunities going to the boss's pet, it's very tempting to become resentful. So tip number six is resist resentment. Be self-aware and very, very honest with yourself. This is very likely not your coworker's fault. And it's really not advised for you to argue with your boss for handing all the goodies out to others. So remember that and try your very best to treat everyone as fairly as possible. Be like a mirror that sees snow falling, but is unaffected by the cold. Absolutely. Be more fair than nice, right? Yeah. (laughs) All right. Tip number seven has two parts. There's two words. There's calm and there's confident. And we're going to combine the two to really call it confident. Confident. Confidence is a combination of patience and positive demeanor about your own abilities. Avoid gossiping. Don't really embark on the whole game of complaining and become mentally dwelling. The only increase your own suffering is like a hill of ants. And each ant is insignificant and easy to handle. But when you involve others and dwell on negativity, you create more ants and eventually become a problem with an anthill. So there we have it. Seven suggestions to help survive a boss who deals in favoritism. And just like all of the intolerable bosses shows, keep in mind that if it's really bad or doesn't fit the models that we presented, remember that we're here to help. Reach out to us and just know that everything that we talk about will be kept absolutely and strictly confidential. Remember too that Pat and I are both executive coaches, so put us to use. We're here to help leaders become even better. So if you have a colleague or a manager that uses favoritism, suggest leadership coaching to help them. It's not hard to frame this suggestion in a helpful way. Everyone can benefit from impartial feedback and an independent perspective to help co-create a professional development plan. Feel free to reach out to us and we'll gladly help. Yeah, Terry, that sounds like another episode of Intolerable Bosses in the Can. Yeah, it is. I think so. Thanks, Pat. I totally appreciate this. But before we finish off, a big thanks are in order. Pat, You've been so much help jumping in here, helping out with this show on a monthly basis. Your perspectives and your ideas are always first class. Thanks, Terry. I just hope that the tips are really making an impact with others that are listening into the show. Please let us know what impact it's making because we've heard from many of you. And just keep the messages coming back. It's a world of abundance out there. We need to help. We hope you're doing a 180 and doing the same with people around you. Feel free to reach out to us. Our email addresses, our websites are all in the show notes. I know a lot of people do that, but I can't encourage that enough. I also want to thank our longtime show sponsor, the Otis Group, for supporting us on the Intolerable Bosses series. These guys are the best. In fact, I've asked them to join us on an inspiring leader's show on an upcoming episode so everyone can meet them, 
and learn about the great things that they're doing to help organizations with financial planning, risk management, and virtual CFO services. So stay tuned for that. But please, folks, check them out now by heading over to otusgroup.com and support the fine people that are supporting this show. We could all use more leaders worth following. Lastly, thank you everyone for tuning in to this episode of Intolerable Bosses. If you're not yet subscribed to our weekly newsletter, you've got to sign up for all the leadership tips, best practices, quotes, book recommendations, leadership event notifications, all of it that we put out weekly. Sign up at ubiquity.coach today. That's it for today. Thanks so much for your time and your ears, folks. Tune in next week when the inspiring leaders return with former JTF2 counterterrorism and special ops commander Steve Day will join us to talk about the real threat. Thanks again, everybody. Take care and bye for now. 